Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, today we celebrate the feast of Mary, the mother of the... Oh, come on now! Mary, the mother of the... Mary, the mother of the church. We heard in the gospel that from the cross, the penultimate gift that Jesus gives as he's dying on the cross was his mother. Like he saved some of the, like the very best gift for the end. He saved the best for last. He knew that this life of discipleship that we were called to walk, it was totally impossible without his own mom, right? Because here's the thing. We are not just simply called to become imitators of Jesus. It's not as though Jesus is just simply the ideal that we are trying to emulate. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we heard yesterday, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are actually becoming transformed into Jesus. Like the depth of your identity, beginning at your baptism, what the Holy Spirit's been trying to do from the time you were baptized is to transform you more and more and more into Jesus. So that by the time that you die and you stand before the Father, he looks at you and says, I recognize my son in you. I see how his love has been like implanted deep into your heart and your identity. Right? So because we're not just simply imitating Jesus, but we're trying to become Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, we need his mom. Right? For Jesus to be formed, he chose Mary. For you and I to be formed into other little Jesuses, other Christs, we need a mom. We need Mary. So this feast day today, Mary, mother of the church, Mary, mother of the church. Mary has a lot of titles. Right? We hear about Mary as like the mystical rose, Mary as the new Eve, Mary as the new ark, Mary as like the mother of the living. This is all these great titles of our blessed queen and mother, right? But today we celebrate her as Mary, mother of the church. Mary, the mother of the church. She's your mom. She's my mom. She's all of our mom. I want to take a step back and zoom out for a second and take kind of like a running start into these scriptures to, for us to kind of wrap our heads around, I think, what the Lord wants us to hear today. So I want to talk about it like this. Like the deepest desire in God's heart, the deepest desire in God's heart is that you and him would dwell together. Let me put it another way. The deepest desire in God's heart is that we would be intimately united. Intimately united. At the very beginning of Mass, we were just having Mass Monk up here giving us heaven and earth smashing together. I want to give you a slightly altered version of that. So, um, what is your name again? Manny. Right, Manny, come up here for a second. I want you to hold the microphone. You can be my microphone assistant. Everyone give Manny a round of applause. Okay, you're going to hold this for me. Okay. So I want to give you a visual. So this is God. Everyone go like this. Here's God. Here's all of heaven, heavenly reality, up like this. And this is humanity, okay? God desires this union, heaven and earth, together. God's desire for us. Manny, you are so awesome. Give Manny a round of applause. We see this. We see this from the very beginning of the story. Like, God, go, he goes through the bother of creating a whole universe so that there would be a place for humanity and divinity to dwell together. Right, the whole story of creation, Genesis 1 and 2, what we see is God making all of this incredible stuff. Stars, planets, I was going to say horseshoes and blue moons. That was the Lucky Charms thing. Okay, no, God makes stars and planets. He makes 
oceans and blue whales and big trees and he makes continents. He makes all these things to be a stage upon which humanity and divinity, God and mankind, could be together, that we could dwell together. We see this in the opening pages of Genesis. Right? We see Adam and Eve, the first of our parents. Right? God creates Adam and Eve. He plants them in a garden, this incredible place of beauty and satisfaction. He puts them in there. It says, God and mankind, Adam and Eve, walked with God in the cool of the day. They were dwelling together. They were dwelling together. In fact, if you fast forward to the very end of the Bible, what's the last book of the Bible? Revelation, right? The book of Revelation, the very end of the Bible, what you see there is not just like the scary end of the world. What you see in the book of Revelation, what's revealed in Revelation is heaven. You see what's happening in heaven. I want to read this. This is from Revelation 21. This is the very end of the story. Revelation 20. No, it is Revelation 21. And I saw the holy city, new, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice from the throne saying, listen to this. This is the end of the story. This is us glimpsing what's happening in heaven. Behold, the dwelling of God is with mankind. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them. You hear that? Like the very end of the story, when we glimpse like the glory of heaven, what you see is God and humanity dwelling together. So the point is, this has been God's desire from the beginning. So he made the Eden in the beginning to be the place where humanity and divinity could dwell together. But what happens to that story is he gets interrupted by an enemy. Who's the enemy? What's his name? If you know it, say it. Satan, Satan right? The word Satan comes from the Greek word satanas. Say satanas. It means the accuser. The accuser comes into the story to tell humanity a lie. And it's this. God is not good. He's not trustworthy. You can't trust him with your heart. You can't trust him with your desires. He's not trustworthy. And so Adam and Eve, because they're afraid, all of a sudden they believe this lie. They grasp at the fruit. And all of a sudden this union gets ruptured. Give me your fingers again. And give me the... Gets ruptured. There's a break, a separation, where God and humanity used to dwell together easily. Now it's ruptured. So God looks at humanity and says, forget you. I'm going on to the penguins. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not what he says. I know, someone's like, ah, oh, dang it, penguins are cool, all right? And that's the penguins, right? No, he says, I am going to do something about this. I'm going to do something about this. In fact, I'm going to destroy the enemy through the woman, through the woman's seed, through the woman being an intimate partner with God. How crazy is that, right? So awesome. So God launches a rescue mission. He's starting to bring back humanity and divinity. We see all throughout the Old Testament all these ways that God is trying to glue us back together. The word we hear in the Bible is the word covenant. Say covenant. 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 When you hear the word covenant, why don't you think the word marriage? When two people get married, do they live apart or together? Together. 
Marriage brings people together. God is bringing these covenants into being all throughout the Old Testament because he's trying to bring us back together. We see this in a particular way in the book of Exodus where God's people, the Israelites, they've been enslaved for 400-something years to the Egyptian powers, right? Enslaved, abject slavery, awful stuff. So God sends them a deliverer. His name is Moses. Moses. Sends Moses. Moses leads the people out of slavery. They come to the desert. Moses goes up the mountain. He receives the Ten Commandments. He comes down the mountain. God says, I will be your God and you shall be my people. Now, these special Ten Commandments, God wants them to be housed in a very special box. Anybody know what that box is called? What's the box called? Ooh, it's so close. You're like one step ahead of me. Before the tabernacle, it's the, the Ark of the Covenant. This beautiful golden box, right? They put the tablets of the law in there. They put the bread from the manna in there. They put Aaron's staff in there. God's presence descends on the Ark of the Covenant. And then to house the Ark, they build the tabernacle. Have we heard the word tabernacle before? Yes? Does your church have a tabernacle? Yes. What do you put in the tabernacle? Jesus, the Eucharist. It houses Jesus' presence, right? So they have the tabernacle, and God's presence is in the tabernacle. Fast forward a few more hundred years. They build, God has the Israelites build this massive structure in Jerusalem called the temple. In the temple, God's glory cloud descends, and his presence fills the temple, so much so that God's dwelling is among his people. The temple is the sign that God dwells with his people. Give me your fingers again. This is with a temple, God's dwelling among his people. His dwelling is among his people. But God wasn't done yet. He was going to take it a step further. In the beginning of Luke's gospel, he calls this moment the fullness of time. When God's plans were coming to fruition, he says, in the fullness of time, God sends his angel from heaven to a young girl in Nazareth named Mary. And he greets her. He says, hail, full of grace. That's her nickname. That's the nickname that heaven gives Mary, full of grace. That's who she is. She who is continuously filled with grace. Hail, full of grace, he says to her. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus, for he will be the son of the Most High. And what does Mary say? Yes, let it be done unto me according to thy word. In John's gospel, we hear it like this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Friends, Jesus, like God the Father, his desire is to dwell among us in Mary. In Mary, through her yes, God literally was dwelling among us. And everywhere she walked, those nine months of her pregnancy, Mary was like a walking, talking tabernacle. Right? Her belly's getting bigger and bigger, right? As the baby's growing inside of her, getting bigger and bigger. She's this walking, talking tabernacle. God's presence literally inside of her. Literally inside of her. Friends, this is why, this is why we look to her. She shows us, Mary shows us who we are and who we are meant to be as the church. Because here's what I want you to see. This is so wild. This is so wild. Just like that moment at the Annunciation where the power of the Holy Spirit comes down and the Word becomes flesh, 
it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again in just a few moments when Father and I, Father Drake and I stand by the altar and we say, send forth your Holy Spirit upon these gifts. We'll place our hands over the bread and the wine and the Holy Spirit will come down and the word Jesus will become flesh. And does he just stay on the altar, yes or no? No. Because who is he interested in dwelling in? You. Point to yourself. Say me. As beautiful as every monstrance is, as beautiful as every tabernacle is that you've ever seen, covered in gold and jewels and diamond and oh, so beautiful, it pales in comparison to you. God comes from heaven to earth not to just simply dwell in tabernacles. He wants to dwell in you and in me. Not because you're so impressive, not because you haven't sinned, but because he loves you. Because he loves you, he says, my love makes you worthy. My love makes you worthy. My love makes you worthy. Friends, in this Mass, in just a few moments, the Lord of heaven and earth, the God who made every star in the heavens, the God who banged out the Big Bang, the God who split the Red Sea, the God who was glowing in fire in the burning bush, the God who spoke to Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of the prophets, the God who slayed Goliath through David's hand, that God is going to become flesh because he wants to get to you. Because he doesn't just simply love you, he likes you. He wants to be near you. So friends, I want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. Open your hands again in front of you like you're preparing your body to receive a gift. Lord Jesus, prepare our hearts in this moment right now that we, just like your mother, would become open vessels, that we would become living tabernacles, so aware of your presence dwelling in us, Lord. We open ourselves to you. We open the depths of our hearts to you. Jesus, we maybe have never done this before, but we say yes to you, Lord, in this Mass right now. We long to receive you, Jesus. Because you are the one who promises abundant life. Not mediocre life. Abundant life. The fullness of satisfied desire. And we say yes to that, Lord. Amen.